Well, if you have a Bible or an app, you can find Ephesians chapter 2. Take a minute, take a look at that. This follow-up, we're going to follow up some on what we were doing earlier in, in looking at the spiritual world, uh, spiritual realities that impact us, impact the world around us. But in our, often our tendency is to pull away the spiritual or to remove the spiritual other than salvation from the, what's going on with uh, what we're reading in the New Testament. So when we get to the New Testament, we have a, uh, the story of Jesus who comes in the context of all that God has done since the beginning and dealing with all the, the rebellions, all the problems, all the realities and if we reduce that down to these are social problems, social injustices, then the tendency is to run in the direction of, well, people, they, they will take uh, things like Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Beatitudes, and the Sermon on the Mount, and they will make that the center. That's the new uh, Ten Commandments, Th- those are the new laws that have been given. So you go there, and if you live like that, if you live like what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, then you have, you have arrived, that's the center of all things. It's how we live, uh, how we arrive with social uh, interactions. Uh, it, and, and the spiritual thing is just hopefully you do enough good that it outweighs the bad in your life, and that at the end of your life, you got enough good that on the scales, you get to go to heaven. So if you run into people who, from different backgrounds, different belief systems, they will often say, I don't know. You know, how can you know if that, you don't know that person's heart. You don't know what they did, good, bad. So they're weighing this thing, trying to come up with, that's, that's the issue, and, it, and it, a lot of it narrows down to, uh, if it's Matthew 5 through 7, well, then we make the rest of Scripture fit around that. These are the new rules, the new commandments, and we have to follow them so we're on the scales just right, taking our chances, because we don't really know, even after we die, or up to the moment we die, if we made it. And, and then the other part of this is, so... The main goal in everything is to get to heaven. So whatever else is going on does not matter. So everything's wrapped up in, in the, um, well, people use the word saved and salvation, and it's so much more meaningful than just an entrance into heaven to get this, well, I just don't want to go to hell when I die. And my whole, my whole interest in all of this is not so much gaining Jesus, gaining this life, understanding the wide variety of all of these things. It's just simply, flames do not appeal to me, therefore I choose this. And that doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it or live that way. I just, you know, if it's, and this is another group, so if I believe Jesus saved me, I walked up the center aisle, I got dunked, as long as I got salvation, as long as I'm in, that's, 
Really, nothing else really matters. Yeah, it does. There's a whole lot that's unfolding here, and God is offering us the opportunity in this life to join with Him in all the things that He's at work at, and those things include the spiritual realities that are part, that have affected us, whether we acknowledge it or not, and some of that just may be ignorance, some of it may be laziness, just, you know, that would require study. I'd actually have to know information. And, you know, to gain information would take work. And I've got stuff to do. So I don't know if I'm going to take time for that. I don't know. And God's calling us to say, what I'm doing is so much more vital than anything else that's going on in this world. All the other things are of interest to him. He loves the arts. He loves us learning things. He he loves us as individuals and as groups and all of that. He's going, still, this is more important. And, and let me show you how this works. So Ephesians 2. Ephesians 1 is wildly cool, but it could be very distracting, so we're not going there. But we're going to do chapter 2. So let's see. Once, chapter 2, verse 1, once... You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul just lacks bedside manner, doesn't he? Holy moly. You know, walk up to people and say stuff like, this is your personal letter written to these people. You're dead because of your disobedience and your sins. But look at this, verse 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. We're two verses into chapter 2. Have you noticed any spiritual realities here? Now the big thing is going to be salvation. How do we get it? How do we get in? Who's in? Who's not? And that's why the distraction of chapter 1. Because people read some things into chapter 1 that leads them into this huge... Well, you ever had a hamster on one of those wheels inside a cage? That's what they do theologically. And they just run and run and run and run. And this group says one thing, another one, and they're just running their wheels. And God's going, would you guys stop that? I am calling you into this life that is so beyond all of that. Come and listen. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now you've come out of that. You once listened to the devil, the prince of the power of the air, in disobedience. Now, we've got something else going on. When? After you die, I will weigh this. If you walked up the aisle and got dunked, no. There is a battle going on. Here's the spiritual reality. You were listening to him. You were on his team. You were in his family. Now you are in mine. That's just up to chapter, I mean, verse 2. So he has a lot to say to them, but there's all these things that got hung up well, in our, more in our modern day, some issues that happen there. But obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So there are people who obey God, people who want to obey God, and people who don't want God involved in their lives. So that's our big division. We're going to do the picture again. Because we have to keep 
reminding ourselves, this is how it all goes. This is we're going to start out with people divided in two places. So there are people who believe God, people who rebel, who don't want God involved in their lives, so they reject him. So they used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, commander of the powers of the unseen world. So now we know the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Not only is he the commander of the powers of the unseen world, people listen to him. Who? Those people who are in rebellion like he is. All the people in this world who are not listening to Jesus, not following him, not going his way, are under the power of the devil and all the entities that are involved in the unseen world. How would that make a difference in Congress? Think about that. What difference would that make to a nation? What difference does it make in Parliament? The people in that world are under the, whose leadership? What direction might they go? Are they looking out? <laughs> what might happen if the leadership in your family, the influencers, the people in a corporation or a business you work at or a community are under the power of the one who is in control of the dark forces in the unseen world. And every one who is not with him or without him, they are with the enemy, directed by, controlled by Satan. He says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest. That's all these people. So we're over, what, 7.8? billion people on the planet there's a significant number of believers there's a whole bunch of people who aren't so who do they listen to how do they how do they respond within their families within their tribes within their nations and they're down here does that make a difference in how we live what what products we buy where we go and activities what do we do for entertainment what what do we do in this world what books do we read what influences our thinking and where do we draw that information because if the world is influenced here and that's who we're listening to then we have a commander the powers of darkness in the unseen world he's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god and remember, they don't want God. These, this is a group that says no. Now, the idea is we pray, we, we live this out in such a way that they'll see God does something incredible and he can do it in a person's life. So maybe they'll jump ship, come over here. That is great. So we want to see more of that. But what if they refuse to obey God? What happens here to, the, to these guys? And they wind up, living a life separated from God, listening to the commander of the powers in the unseen world, and then they're separated from God for eternity. And people go, God sent 
I can't believe God would send anybody to hell. He doesn't. He just allows people to go where they want to go. Didn't I just read that? He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. They don't want God. They don't want any part. They don't want him involved in their lives. They want as far away from him as they can get. So what does God allow them to have? He doesn't force them. He just allows them because he cares. You don't want me. Then go the direction you chose. And go after the commander you have chosen to follow. So they do. That's the rebel side. So this whole unseen world and the interaction of spirits into what we live and how we how do we how we interact if we toss that aside because man I don't know that sounds medieval or like we're we're very primitive and we don't understand that that we're modern and we're so far beyond all of that we don't we don't you know we're not into voodoo and you know superstition and yeah, we're not talking about voodoo and superstition we're talking about the power of God and what he is trying to do in the lives of people for their good because he loves people and he sent his son to make a difference in all of that by dying on a cross, by defeating the evil one, so much. All of those who refuse to obey God, that's the rebels, go this direction. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So God's anger, God's wrath, he's very disappointed. He's not like, doesn't really like the devil or those, or those re- rebellious entities that have gone that direction. So there's anger and wrath. I just like saying wrath. That sounds like a, man, that's a scary word right there. All right. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So there's this huge divide that's going to happen right here. And God is pouring out that anger. And he does this correctively at times. But he, he makes it, he also tells us he, he loves the world. So he makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everybody gets some rain. Everybody gets, you know, except some desert places. But there's... There's this equal uh, spread of if you live in certain places, you know, the, the, the things are going to grow. God's going to provide food. There'll be the, the wind currents, the weather patterns, all of those things. That's for everybody. He doesn't just limit it. So he's offering all of us an opportunity to see him. That's Romans chapter 1. But in this case, this is the anger because of the rebellion and following the evil one. Not, not listening to God. So I, I just wanted that to be back up here on this because there's a spiritual part of, in all of this. And he says, we once lived that way, following the passionate desires, inclinations of our sinful nature. How often, even though we believe, do we dip right back down here? And you go, I'm going to follow, you know, that's my passionate, that's my inclination. That's just, you know, and this, you know, it's just a common thing to throw. That's just how I am. Or, or that's, that's how I was raised. Or, you know, that's how we do it in my family. Well, stop it. 
Join this family. Let his power be at work in you to change this thing. Don't keep dipping down into this and acting like that group. We come out of that, which is why Paul's writing this to the Ephesians, to let them know. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. We're heading in some familiar verse territory here, but we, we maybe peel away too much of the spiritual battle that's going on to even get to this place. So just, just in re-looking at it, so that we, when we consider our lives, the lives that we're living for Christ, to be sacred and special and unique, and we're part of God's family, and He's at work in this immense way in the whole co- of the cosmos, and we get to be participants in that. And we're overcoming the evil one in the process. This is an amazing thing that we get to be part of. So, you put this one. Another line. I've got the believers. Put them up here. Believers up here. And we divide because he will make a point of this. This one's on here. Okay, so the, we're going to divide as believers over obedience and disobedience. And we're going back and forth and we're dealing with our, our stuff. But we're called to walk with him, to understand that there's a spiritual battle that is unfolding, that is huge. And we are part of that. Even, like we talked about a little earlier, around the tables, Malachi 3.16, when we're talking about the Lord and honoring His name, the Lord hears us. The Lord hears us. Is that spiritual? The Lord hears us. And then He writes down the things that we're talking about, puts our names down in the book. You go... Okay, so even these moments when we want to talk about all kinds of issues and un- things that are unfolding, he's listening to our conversation to see if his, his name somehow comes up. Obedience. And he is watching us. So do, do we take seriously the things, the responsibilities that he's given us to take care of? Do we go to work when we're supposed to go to work? Do we take care of the things that he's given us to take care of our bodies, temple of the Holy Spirit? Do we take care of those uh, people around us that we are responsible for? Not going beyond that and taking care of people we're not responsible for. So there's times when we cross over and then we enable some bad stuff. Not saying that. Do we follow through on the things that God has told us to do in this world, in this life, and in, in what he has for us to uh, be and accomplish. What do we do with our attitudes? How do we approach life in, in the things? What do we allow into our heads? What's the input? And, and do we stew in the junk that, that we have always enjoyed, that, you know, that, that looks a whole lot like the world? 
because they like being angry and being mad at everybody and wanting to control and blow up. And if you can watch a political, uh, watch political things and just lose it, is that the world or is that the Holy Spirit? Is God after righteousness? Yeah. Does he lose it in those things? No, he's trying to win people with uh, getting love out there, exposing people to truth. Yeah, he'll call them on it. Does he lose it? That's different. Whoa, wait a minute. But I'm passionate. Yeah. That's what he said. We get passionate. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So what are we called to do? To obey. Can we be believers and be disobedient? Yep. Do we get heaven? Yep. Not talking about that. Because Jesus came, died. We believe we hold on to that. So when we get there, we're going to have to own it. And own where we didn't listen and didn't want him. Just like those people living in the world did not want him telling us what to do. Did not want him to say, forgive that person. Nope. That person has to come to me on bended knee and beg for forgiveness. They ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. They just ain't getting it. He says, really? When did you do that when you came to me? And I forgave you. Everything. And we're to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. Obedience, disobedience. Do we dip down here? He said, don't be like the world. We're, we're breaking loose from that. We are being influenced. The, the evil spirits, the evil entities that exist out there, the whole, which is a, 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 it impacts the philosophies that are around us, the things we hear, the things that you will hear on the news the things that you will read in the paper or online or wherever else you, you go. So the idea is we keep drawing near to him, we keep listening to him, we keep allowing him to wash away the other stuff so that we come into alignment with the things that are unfolding. So I just, just make up stuff like, okay, something horrible happened in China. Is Now I'm supposed to go, well, if... Uh, they weren't communist if they didn't have the imperial leader what, whatever it is that's going on with them then this wouldn't happen then just, just in that moment just in saying that back up just one more step and say who is the commander of the powers of the unseen world because that's the one who's influencing the philosophy of the communist regime or North Korea or even democratic things around the world. Haiti is just falling apart currently, and, and they just are running. They shot the president, and they had an earthquake, so people are going cra crazy, and the gangs are taking over and just attacking people left and right. Where's that coming from? The commander of the unseen world. Where does, where does the idea of, of that kind of darkness even come from? So... Why would we listen as believers and dip down into this stuff, not this as believers, but the unbelievers 
and allow that to control us. So God, rich in mercy, loved us so much. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So Christ, here we've, and he's calling him Christ here, which is the Messiah. So we're using a whole, he didn't say Jesus. Jesus is that physical entity name. Now we're using the name Christ, uh, the Greek version of Messiah, the anointed one, the one who would come and deliver, the one who is going to be riding on the clouds of heaven and deliver, that one. He came, he died as a human being, and he's raised again. Is that a normal physical... We just watch Young Frankenstein, so they on that show, they, they just get some electricity and lightning, and the guy comes back to life after being dead. And you go, no, it doesn't work. No one has ever come back except Jesus because it's a spiritual reality brought into this world, not just in passing, not just something clever we say at Easter. It overwhelmed the forces of the enemy, the unseen world of darkness. He overwhelmed them when he rose from the dead. So when this is written, he's saying that's the power. That's what we're talking about. Overwhelming power by what Christ has done. We were caught up in our sins. We were caught under the power of the devil. We listened to him. And now, because we've come to Christ, we have something different going on. We move into the believer category. And now we have a choice. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And that's part of what ties into what we talked about this morning, verse 6 here of chapter 2. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So when you ask, or ask the question, who are you? I'm one of those. I'm a believer seated in the heavenly with Christ. That's who I am. I belong to him. I'm one of the holy ones. I belong to him. I'm going to live like that. I'm going to live like that. I'm going to live like this. This is better than the other, but it's still, I'm going to live like that. I am seated in the heavenlies. Is that a spiritual thing? Is that just physical, you know, just living in this world, be more moral, be nice, be kind? No, this is powerful. If we're changed from the inside and the heavenlies living in us, we're going to be nice and kind forgiving, wise. We're not going to be blowing up in anger because it goes away because the heavenly is living in us. So it changes it. So we need to go here. That's pretty exciting. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Future ages. So he's talking about that time after we are dead. Now we're living in the heavenly places. So we're placed in the heavenly places before we die. That's what he just said. Now in the future ages, after that, we're living this on out. And God is going to say, look. So who does he say look to? I mean, if it's a Trinity thing and, it, you know, the Father's telling the Holy Ghost and, hey, Jesus, you did good. They all know that. It's one God. They know that. Who is he talking to? 
all the other heavenly beings. Did we cover that? All the other heavenly beings, the all the other holy ones. Look at these people. People brought here because of what Jesus has done, and he's brought them to heaven for all the ages to come, and look how good I have been to them. Look at my kindness, my grace. Look at it working out, and look at them. Because we'll be glowing, and it'll be cool. I don't know if we'll have flaming eyes like that angel did, but it will be... It'll be magnificent. So we're going to be made in this whole in, in this new way through Christ because we'll be resurrected with him. But already, positionally, we have been set in the heavenly places. We just have to die and get there. But we are set to go there. It's better if we do this, but any of this will get us here, get us to there. That's going to be fun. And you know this one. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Wow. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That got us into here. Can't take credit because we didn't earn it. We didn't come up with a clever philosophy or means to get there. Christ made this happen. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things. Remember the scale? People going, well, it's a scale. I don't know if I'm going to get into heaven or not. How much good outweighs the bad? Nope. It's not it. He's making it clear. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. None of us. Because we don't have that. Verse 10. For we... Are God's masterpiece. Whoa. God's masterpiece. After all he's made, all, after all the angelic creatures, the entities in heaven, magnificent as they are, you are God's masterpiece. And your future is bright. And what will unfold in those ages to come are just un fathomable he has created us anew in christ jesus we're not the same we're transformed so what if we keep living like the world what if we keep listening to that philosophy what if what we like to listen to is the music and read the books and argue with the people and join them how new is that how new is that When was the New Testament written? Before 33 AD? After 100, between 100 and 150 AD? Maybe 250 AD? So, when was John written? When was Matthew, Mark, Luke? Yeah, they're written by disciples, so they would all have been dead by 100. So how basic is it to know something about that basic about the Gospels? 
pretty important. So, get to know the book. Because your God has revealed himself in the book. It's not useless information. It is basic information. To understand what God is doing means we've got to know the book. He's called us to do something remarkable. He's called us because he's making us into something incredible. God's masterpiece. Something beyond what's on this world. He's already seated us in the heavenly places. He's giving us a whole new realm to consider. The cosmology of all of this. The battle is on. The devil's the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So if we don't know the scriptures, we really don't know when or what context the, the gospels were written in. How are we going to do battle? How are we going to understand the politics? How are we going to understand the context in which the Son of God arrived on this planet to change things for our good? How are we going to know that? We've got to get to know Him. We've got to get to know the book. That means some work. That means remembering it after you do that work. And then re regarding those things as essential because the context matters. Is the devil set on destroying you? Yes. What would it take for him to just confuse you? Well, maybe the Bible was written in 150. Some say up to 250 after, after the first century. Huh. Okay. Who wins? The commander of the dark forces in the unseen world. What if we turn that around and say, no, I know exactly when my Lord came, I know why he came, and I know what he's going to do to you. What if we do that? That means some work. Somebody's got to do it. The battle is on. We're going to listen to the philosophies of this world. We're going to join him and take on the forces of evil. You are God's masterpiece. He's got more for you. Seated in the heavenly places, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has overwhelmed the powers of darkness. We have a choice to obey or just be believers who disobey and get in the door. That's everybody. But that's not all he said. In verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What good things? Well, I don't know. I really don't know what he had. I don't know what gifts. I just don't know. I just don't know. Where would you find answers to something like that? In the book. In a book filled with all kinds of descriptions of the possibilities of who you are and what you are and what your days can be and what your future can be, not only here, but in all the ages to come. It's all wrapped up in here. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift of God. He's already given that. That's here. Salvation is here, not a reward. You get heaven. Done. So how do we live this? How do we live this? That's where this comes in. And what, what I wanted 
to make sure we understand that there is a battle. The devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, is out to destroy you. And he wants to work in the, in the spirits and the hearts of those who disobey and rebel against God. And we can easily be swayed or drawn in. Does that mean we can't have any contact? No, that's another mistake people make. Jesus had contact all the time. How could he do that? Well, because he's obedient. He's walking with the Lord. That reality is in him. It lives through him. He can have contact with the people. He goes to the place where the demons are supposed to be coming in and out of the dark place. It says, not here. Nope. My church will stand. And the powers of hell don't stand a chance. It's because he's not affected by them. We ought not be either. We are here to be light in the midst of the darkness. God's masterpiece living on earth until we get moved to our new place where we shine in a whole different way. We have been created and created anew in Christ Jesus, which means obedience, obedience to him, to do the good things he planned for us long ago. We'll just go through the rest just so the chapter kind of ties together. And he's dealing with the, the Jew and Gentile issues in the midst of this as well. Don't forget that you Gentiles, non-Jewish people, used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's where people are without, without listening to another commander. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. So he ended that. Huh. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So the Gentiles are all non-Jews. Jews are Jews. Put those all together. That's the whole planet. That's all the people Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So that no longer should be an issue. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us have come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of Christ, what he has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. That's 19, 219. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Any of this? Hmm. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So does chapter 2 read a little different? 
God's family. He's called us to be part of this thing. He's asking us to live this new life. We're God's masterpiece. We live the way he's called us to live in obedience because Christ has made us new. We've been created new. So we don't have to do this. We will. That's why there's 1 John 1, 9. It says if we do that, quit it. As soon as you notice, get back up here. Confess it, get it right, move on, walk with him. But that power of the Spirit that brings us into Christ and the power that is at work in us is the power that raised Christ from the dead, that overwhelmed the power of darkness and death, which is under the devil, the commander of the unseen forces. And we get to enjoy a whole new life. We're created new in him. That is really good news. It's made available for us does require us to, to dig in, to study, to reflect, to meditate on, to wrestle with these things, to uh, be stretched in ways that maybe we're uncomfortable or assume we already know. But we just did Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which is like common in gospel presentations. But rarely do you have that in the context of the battle between the devil and what God is trying to accomplish with all of his purposes. So when you put that in there, you go, wow, this is big. It's not just my salvation so I can get to heaven no matter what. It is big. This is a battle. It's a battle for me and it's a battle for those around me. And you are God's masterpiece. Not for your psychological well-being or emotional health. You are God's masterpiece because that is what he desires so that you are a citizen good citizen part of the family the heavenly family part of God's holy people and there you go let's pray father thank you for this remarkable thing you've done thank you for Jesus coming and and whooping the tail of the devil thank you for the hope that we have in him thank you for the future that is laid out for us for the ages ages to come thank you for for even saying saying we're your masterpiece i mean that's that's just amazing thank you for loving us putting up with us thank you for your guidance for the spirit for the book thank you for each one here gathered together to uh, encourage one another, to pray for one another, to build each other up. Thank you for this time as well. In Jesus' name, amen.